keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Today is the first Wednesday of the month, which means it's time to check in with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association for the monthly grind segment. We're going to learn a little bit what happens to that corn crop growing on farmers' fields all across this great nation as it moves towards that final destination. And this month, we're looking at pork. From the National Corn Growers Association, Bob Hemaseth Jones joins us. He's a farmer up in the northeast part of the state, raises hogs and corn. Bob, thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Great to be on with you. How are the crops looking up there in northeast Iowa? You know, we're looking we're looking in, we're looking pretty good. We've had uh, enough moisture and we're hoping just to finish it off uh, uh, with some good weather and get some good fill. Get that grain fill, get enough adequate nutrition out there to fulfill the needs for America's livestock herd. Joining us from the National Pork Board also is Dr. Chris Ta uh, Chris Hostetler, and Chris is the director of Animal... Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Welcome to the show. really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, good, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity to um, share what we... Uh, commonly used as one of our uh, most popular feedstuffs in the swine industry about corn today. Absolutely. And let's dive right into it. Bob, you're on both sides of this equation as a corn grower and a pork producer. Could you talk a little bit how NCGA has helped pork producers understand the nutrient requirements of hogs a little bit better? Yeah, you know, uh, in, in partnership with the National Pork Board, we've uh, helped provide uh, some funds so that they can update the uh, National Academics Nutrient Requirements for Swine. So hopefully we can, uh, uh, with that, uh, utilize more DDGs and understand how to uh, utilize those better. Chris, when we think of hog nutrients, we've seen the feed industry change a lot throughout history. How has it changed in recent past and why was this necessary? Yeah, certainly when, um, you know, the renewable fuel standard came on board in 2007, um, suddenly corn was used for other things that it hadn't traditionally been used for, at least in, in uh, not in such great quantity. Um, and so as a, as a product of that, um, uh, distiller's grains became available to us uh, as a feedstuff. Um, I would no longer classify uh, dis dried distiller's grains or solubles, DDGS, as a, a non-traditional feedstuff for pig, uh, for pigs, um, you know we commonly use it as part of our swine diets uh, today. Um, so if if uh, you know we formulate diets today, um, those are based largely on corn, dried distillers grains, or solubles, and soybean meal. And um, so so I think it's just a, been a great opportunity as as we've gotten. Um, you know, there's, there's co-products available to us to uh, figure out how to best utilize those and those co-products and how to include them in our uh, in our swine diets. Absolutely. And it's that combination of co-products and ingredients that work together so well in this country to give us such an efficient hog uh, production system. And Bob, I'm curious, turning back to that combination, you need corn, you need soybean meal, you need all of these other industries. I understand that uh, National Pork Board and the United Soybean Board have worked together to build a framework of cooperation and NCGA is a part of that. Why does that matter? Uh it matters because we're we're doing this to be to help with our sustainability efforts and uh, and get research that benefits both of uh, 
mm-hmm. all three of our organizations because uh, and uh, and our products that we produce because uh, uh, we all work together on this and we're and corn and soybeans are staples of the diet for pork as Chris mentioned earlier. Indeed they are, and sustainability is a concern for so many consumers out there. Chris, where do you see the advances in this sort of combination systems approach to looking at both sustainability and nutrients for hogs? Yeah, certainly uh, taking a systems approach um, will allow us to um, really identify the downstream impacts of our management decisions. So whether that's a from a, a field standpoint of a crop producer that's um, making management decisions about those crops that he's growing that would then in turn be fed to uh, pigs. Um, or if it's a, from a barn standpoint and, and uh, farmers who are pork producers that are um, making management decisions about how they raise those pigs, what uh, they feed them, how those nutrients are um, supplied to the animals, through our grains um, that are then passed into the manure. The manure is then used as a fertilizer uh, source back for the the uh, crops that then produce grain again. And so there's this circular economy and understanding that from a systems approach will allow us to identify areas where those nutrients are transferred more or less efficiently. And, um, and once we understand that, we can really begin to dial in research on those uh, practices that would allow us to um, maximize that efficiency of, of transfer of nutrients. It is pretty incredible what we can do when the different sectors of agriculture work together. Bob, I understand you serve on that nutrient cycle task force there. That's that combination between the National Pork Board, National Corn Growers Association. And can you tell us a little bit about what it is that drew you to participating in that? You're in the driftless region of Iowa. Are there additional concerns about what happens to nutrients on your operation? Oh, definitely. You know, and and this was an opportunity to to, uh, Chris had mentioned earlier the the circular part of this, and to me that was the 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 most interesting part. Is is you know we we use corn, we use soybean meal, we use DDGs and other nutrients to raise that hog, and in turn as a hog producer, I use that fertilizer that manure as fertilizers for nutrients for the crop, and it's just that circular thing and how we can continue to improve that, how we can continue to utilize those nutrients for me in highly erodible soils more 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 sustainably and protect the environment as well so it's it's there's so many things that we can learn through this and i think that's where these partnerships and uh, combinations will uh, really benefit all of us moving forward especially the consumer as we continue to uh, improve what we do raising pork and corn and all the things that come with it Absolutely. And Chris, it strikes me that as we get a better handle on how that nutrient cycle works, what's available in this manure, we can unlock additional ways to add those nutrients back to our pork supply. From the animal Mm -hmm. science perspective, they're your role at the National Pork Board. Where do you see this going in five or 10 years here in pork production? This sort of research, what are we going to be looking at down the line? Yeah, certainly it begins to um, put empirical numbers to our um, to our modeling. Um, so that's one of the things that we really need to um, do a better job of is um, when we do a life cycle assessment for carbon utilization, for example, um, there's a lot of assumptions that go into those computer models that 
that then um, spit a number out for us. And um, at the end of the day, those assumptions are only as good as the data that we put in them, right? Those, those models are only as good as that, that those assumptions that we make. And so being able to apply some, um, collect and then apply some real empirical numbers to, to nutrients uh, being transferred around that system, I think that's, that is going to be a key to really being able to tell our sustainability story, whether that's from a, a low crop farmer or a pig farmer, um, being able to tell that sustainability story in a more complete, more concise, more um, accurate um, manner. So that's that's going to be an important part of this research. Indeed it is. And Chris, you said something there that I have heard from a lot of folks who work in this space, which is that we've got all sorts of great research but we have a hard time getting it through to people. Can you talk about the partnerships and how NPB working with NCGA can help give a megaphone to these issues when you're when you're working in Washington DC or at state houses around the country? Yeah, certainly that that memorandum of understanding that we have uh, that's been set up between uh, National Pork Board, uh, uh, National Corn Growers and the United Soybean Board, that that memorandum of understanding is about communication, right? Um, working on common research projects uh, and getting those results out through our, through our communication channels, as you said, serving as a megaphone for um, for the things that are coming out um, from our uh, friends in the field and uh, vice versa. They would be serving as uh, megaphones for um, the results from our research projects that utilize corn, soybean meal um, in in a swine diets. So, yeah, that's the important part of it is being able to communicate that. Indeed it is. And that's what we're here for today, t telling these stories of agriculture. Bob Hemaseth, before we let you go, folks want to connect with the National Corn Growers Association. Where can they go to do that? Just go to ncga.com and we have all the information that uh, we need to uh, find out more about corn. Fantastic, folks. Check that out, ncga.com. Thanks for tuning in, folks. When we return, we're going to talk with Dr. Chad Hart about what Argentina did with their peso here over the weekend. Stick around for more AOA coming up after this.